This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. It's that time of the week again to honour another great of Australian sport in This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. And my guest today has one of the most famous names in AFL football, a dual premiership player, three-time All-Australian, 11-time Victorian representative. He's done it all in the game and he's one of the most charismatic characters the game has ever had. Terry Danaher, is that a big enough build-up for you, TD? Yeah, you've had a good crack at it there, bro, Pete. Good on you, son. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm going very well. Yeah, pretty happy to be here, mate. I'm pretty relaxed and uh, ready to uh, you fire the questions, mate, and we'll see how we go. All right, we'll do that. But the first thing I want to do is not a question, a statement. I want to say well done for what you did during the week at the Hall of Fame uh, and stood up there and eulogised the great man, Kevin Sheedy, before he was announced as a legend. Not an easy thing to do when you get up in a room like that. I thought you did a brilliant job. Well, thanks for that, Pete. We, you don't do those sorts of things too often, but uh, it's a bit scary when you first got up there when you look down over the crowd. And mm. uh, But I did focus in on Kevin, his family, who were sitting just nearby, you know, towards the camera that I was looking toward, and uh, that sort of helped sort of calm the nerves a little bit, and uh, you know, just get on with doing what you, you can and do, do to the best of your ability, and um, and uh, yeah, yeah, and it's not hard to talk about Kevin. He'd been at the club for so long, 26 years coaching. So, you know, it's a mighty effort uh, uh, and, a, and, a, and a character with it. I guess it doesn't matter whether you're Lee Matthews or whether you're Wayne Carey or whether you're Terry Danaher. When you walk into that room and see football royalty, it must be a very humbling experience to be part of that. Oh, very much so. And uh, I was also given the opportunity uh, in the spot, uh, spot at the right time, I suppose you'd say, Pete, and uh, uh, I was called upon to uh, introduce uh, a little Bobby Skilton to the dais here pre-game where they got all the previous legends up on uh, on stage and uh, how's Skilt's going? He's he's going well. He's had Skilt's. his troubles, hasn't he? He has. He de- he has. And uh, but he is uh, he's always spirited and up and about. Uh, we don't see as much of him today as we used to. But uh, uh, I'm a bit rather fortunate, Pete, that I um, I still get a bit of uh, mail from the South Melbourne or the Sydney Swans now uh, past players mail, and uh, I try and get to a few events there during the year just to catch up with a few old mates. All of these people at the Hall of Fame have done lots of things, but they haven't got a four or five metre footy in their honour. You've got one, haven't you? Or the, the boys have. 
Yeah, well, it, uh, you know, the local council thought it'd be in the interest. There's a lot of towns up there with a, with a not too far down the road. You've got a little town called Borellan. It's got a big tennis racket up there. With Yvonne for Yvonne Goolagong, Goolagong, Yvonne yeah. Cawley's we know her now. And, uh, you know, and uh, you go through a lot of towns. They're even painting silos now, Pete. Yes. Uh, you know. <laughs> well, it's an not, art form now. It's an art form, and they do a wonderful job. It, it, it adds a bit of colour, you know, to the... the the area. We've got a little place, Weath Alley, just down the road from us. They've got uh, an artist has gone in and done it up, done a marvellous job. An old bloke chewing on a bit of grain, and, uh, <laughs> and you've got a bloke shearing a, you know, a weather. And, uh, so what have they got in Hungary for you? They've got this, is it four or five metres tall? This yeah, sharing? it's about four metres in the air. It's about 800 kg. It's about four, four metres long. And uh, yeah, it was built in um, Albury and Albadonga um, uh, by a, a company there. And um, and it was shipped up and uh, put on a four-metre post, and and uh, she she uh, sits splendidly next to the museum in the main street of Hungary. <laughs> Not much. It's about the newest item in the main street, I can assure you. So, uh, but it was a wonderful day, uh, and and I think it was uh, you know particularly for Dad and and Mum, I think they were pretty proud, and you know to see it, particularly that uh, old Dad sort of. He got junior footy going up home there years ago, and uh, you know, we 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 had to you know support both codes, rugby league and Aussie rules up home. We had to play both, you know, to to support both the codes. But uh, but Dad was always he thought Aussie rules was the better game, even mm. though he played a lot of league and excelled at it himself in his younger days. And uh, um, he he, uh, he pushed, you know, we had, uh, to to, uh, to get the kids going and get them. To, to play Aussie rules, he he felt it was a better game, and and uh, then he went down and knocked on the door of the local to other towns and said, "Come on, you get your juniors going so we can get the get the competition going." So uh, he's done a marvellous job there. So a lot of that was for his work, and you know, and of course we 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 had the opportunity to get down to Melbourne and and uh, have a crack at the the big time, and luckily it's worked out okay for us. Oh, I think it's probably worked out okay. Yeah. I reckon you could say it was okay. But was there ever a time that you thought perhaps you might have been playing rugby league rather than playing Australian football? Well, I enjoyed league. I enjoyed playing. My mates all played it. Got an opportunity way back, a long time back now, 74. And uh, it was about a year out of school. And uh, we just won the... Um, a 74 premiership in the Aussie rules and um, and I got lucky there was a couple of we were only a minor league up home and just south of us down around Wagga there's a major league and uh, I, you might remember a name by the, uh, a chap by the name of Ricky Quaid yes I do he's from Area Park Marulius. Uh, he, he was playing with South at the time and had a year off and went and come back home and was going to coach his old club and he had a bit of hamstring trouble and he thought he'd come back and he, uh, he invited us down and asked if I'd uh, be interested in coming down to test myself in a bit stronger Aussie rules comp and that sort of sort of separated me then from rugby league because they played Sundays rugby league was played on Sundays in group 20 uh, up home so uh, so that's hence that I couldn't play league and uh, concentrated on rules went down there and had a season down there and the next minute I found myself in Melbourne right so you go to South Melbourne and you probably thought well this might be my destination but it only lasted for a couple of years what happened there? 
Well, I think uh, you don't have managers or anything like that. Do you go down on your own or you go down with five or six other guys uh, to see if you're good enough to make it. And uh, I was lucky enough to uh, got a Guernsey and, um, yeah, had a, had a great two years down there, you know. Uh, and, and like a lot of blokes that come down, I was probably a little bit immature in, in a lot of ways and hadn't grown, quite grown up and uh, thought I'll just override by it all. I thought I'm not... Not, I shouldn't be here, sort of thing, you know. Played one senior game my first year and played 18 in a, in a final my second year. And uh, Were you surprised when you got the tap on the shoulder, TD? Because it probably came from them rather than you that your career... Well, yeah, I was getting, getting a lot of mixed messages, Pete. Back then, I was heading back to the bush after the season finished and we had a tap, a chap that driven all the way to Ungary or to, to the farm... Um, you know, from Melbourne, and um, um, he was parked under the pepper trees at home in front of the front of the house when we'd come home with a truckload of hay. We'd been out hay carting, it was that time of the year, and uh, mum had been in town to, to do some grocery shopping. So we'd arrived back, and um, and this car was parked under the under the pepper trees, and this bloke was sound asleep. He'd just driven nine hours, obviously, from Melbourne to, to home to, uh, to say good day, and he was from Fitzroy. And uh, we jumped out of the truck and banged on the roof of the car to wake him up. He was a recruiting man. I think his name was Kevin Dixon. And I think that rings a bell anyway. And uh, anyhow, we got him out. He introduced himself and <coughs> explained, to, explained to us what he was doing and uh, that he'd been given an, um, uh, an opportunity to come up and, and talk to to the myself and the old man about maybe go, you know, going to Fitzroy. So uh, that that surprised us a bit because we'd had no word of it. And um, and uh, when I went back down there, uh, I asked what was going on. He said, no, old story. Oh, we don't want you to go, but look, we're looking for a couple of players. And uh, But apparently my name and a couple of other names were thrown up. They were chasing Johnny Murphy and um, and uh, Neville Fields. They finished up getting Fields. Mm-hmm. They might have got Murphy in the end too, did they? I think they did, yeah. Yeah, from memory. But uh, So I was nearly a Fitzroy player. Pete? Well, you came very close. In fact, I think you'd basically signed the contract, didn't you? Virtually, yeah. I had a contract in me in my hand. Um, I'd Frank, uh, met Frank Bibby at the time. He was the president of the club. Hell of a nice fella. Um, and uh, met Graham Campbell, who was a coach at the time. I was thinking, well, all my mates are down the other end of the lake, you know, nice and close and handy. I can still keep in touch with them. And, uh, and how's that? I'm getting a second opportunity. So how lucky was I? But... Uh, uh, yeah, I um, I thought, well, Frank, I've got it. It all looks good, but uh, I'll take it home, have a yarn to the old man, and we'll have a talk about it and see what uh, see what we reckon. And I'll be back tomorrow, most probably, to sign it, and away we go. And then you wouldn't believe it. Next morning, about ten o'clock, I get a call from the Essendon Football Club, and uh, I sort of said to him, I said, "Look, boys, you're a bit late. I'm, I'm on my way to Fitzroy, and uh, I'm going in to sign the contract." And they told me, "Look, do yourself a favour, son, Colin Stubbs, and um, and uh, Kevin Egan, and uh, this Roy McConnell uh, met up with us. They talked me into having lunch." We had lunch at the Whale Roberts's Hotel, I think, the uh, Cricketers Arm. Have an ale with the whale. Yeah, so finished up there, at, at, and they asked me if I knew a restaurant. I didn't know many restaurants. I knew plenty of pubs. <laughs> around, around. There's many, plenty of pubs here. And so we had a counter meal and a, 
and uh, a bit of a talk about. They talked me into going out there to have a look at uh, their setup, and, uh, and I put put Fitzroy back a bit, and uh, I was just blown away, Pete, by the you know all the memorabilia and uh, mm. yeah, well, uh, you know the the, the the premierships, and they made sure they showed, took me to the right spots, and you know because you had Dick Reynolds and John Coleman and Billy Hutchison and and uh, Kenny Fraser, and the and the list just went on, and uh, you know what they'd achieved and. You know what the the club had achieved over the over the time, and uh, when I said, "Well, yeah, you're doing something right here, boys." <laughs> you know, South had one trophy in the yeah. cabinet, 33 uh, premiership uh, win, and I don't know how many Fitzroy had, not too many. But that was Pete. That was probably one of my biggest regrets in in my whole footy career was that I did go back uh, uh, go back to Frank and uh, say, "Listen, mate, I'm I'm going to going to Western, and sorry, I've had a change of mind." How did they take that? Oh, obviously not too well, you know. Uh, that, and uh, particularly the recruiting bloke had travelled all the way down Gill. He, <laughs> yes. thought, he thought he had me. Maybe chipped but, in for his uh, petrol at least, he did. Yeah, being a young bloke, uh, you know, you're just keen to get on with your footy. And uh, and I got caught up with in Essendon, and and they sort of said, "Son, there's an opportunity for you here for you if you knuckle down." And you know, we got a new coach in Barry Davis, and. You know, if you want to, you, you, you put your head down and work hard. And uh, I was pretty lucky because uh, I had Neil was just out of. Yeah, he just finished college at um, Assumption College, Kilmore, and uh, under Ray Carroll. Under Ray Carroll up there, and uh, you know, Dad was always looking to, you know, uh, save a dollar, and he wanted all his kids to have a have a good education. Neil had sort of had four years at St Pat's in Goulburn, and uh, he won that. Uh, through on a scholarship so it didn't cost that much to get him there and then he got thinking well when I was at South Melbourne I found it, found this out later he rang South don't worry about Terry Neil can play sort of thing <laughs> if you look after his education you may have him as a player but Dad was cunning enough to write down a little note I think um, Oberon Purak was the secretary at the time yeah. he got uh, got a uh, said to Oberon pass me that pad and this wrote down a little note there saying that but I'm not having my two boys play against one another so wherever Terry goes Neil uh, plays and he made Oberon uh, follows you know mm. and he made Oberon sign it and it, it, when push come to shove in the end I'd made a decision to go to Wessenden South wanted Neil they thought they deserved him because they paid his his uh, school fees and, and they had a pretty they'd been watching him pretty closely and um, for me it was a good thing you know to have my younger brother with us and uh, he, he sort of growing up probably quicker than I did and uh, through standing on his own two feet you know boarding school been at boarding school all his life and that sort of thing grabbed me by the collar and said come on this, we're going to make something of this let's get, see if we can you know uh, get something out of our footy careers you've had one go <laughs> I'm about to start so so that, that from then on in I suppose I guess you mature a bit and things started to work I reckon it's fair enough to say you probably did get a bit out of your footy careers and we'll talk about that great time at Essendon when we come back on the other side of the break Terry Danaher is my very special guest on this edition of This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives and we'll have more from TD after the break. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donigan.
Great to have your company for This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. The great Terry Danaher is my special guest on today's edition of the program. TD, we spoke about the time at South, we spoke about the transition and all of a sudden you arrive at Windy Hill and the shadow of all of those great names up on the wall that you saw that tipped you over the edge and you arrived at a pretty enormous football club. Yeah, you certainly did, uh, Pete. It was, uh, yeah, it's... They had a pretty good squad. You know, of course, when you go to a club, you you got to sit down and work out who your new team, teammates are, and uh, got a list of the you know, the players, and uh, knew a couple of them. And uh, but sadly, they uh, a couple of them had gone back to the bush. So a couple of country blokes that I'd seen to bumped into, you know, through your footy, you know, around town. And um, Jeff Burdett was one guy, and another bloke, Graham Hatcher, whom I'd sort of met, you know, just out uh, at pubs and, and so forth. So, uh, but it was a. Um, it was all about knuckling down, and uh, you know. And I think, of, you know, and I think, but Neil mentioned about having, you know, you've had one chance. It really uh, uh, sent me a message. I go, gee, I got to have a real good crack here. But it was just a matter of getting your head right and and having a, having the confidence to back yourself and uh, and uh, give yourself a good start. And you'd been there just a few years when that bloke Sheedy all of a sudden came to the club and and mm. stamped his uh, imprimatur on the club and mm. made the the club do things his way. And it didn't take long for success to follow. It was that wonderful era in the mid eighties where you were such a powerhouse. Well, you know, uh, he was probably fortunate in a lot of ways. Uh, he had some good. Yeah, teachers there before him, good coaches uh, in uh, Billy Stevens and um, Billy sort of recruited Vanderhaar and and, uh, and and maybe Crowey and a few of these blokes and then Maxi Crow and maybe one or two others that, that, that might have survived. You know, uh, 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 Kevin's early uh, start to his coaching, but then uh, you had Billy Stevens and then um, Barry Davis. Uh, you know, a long Come, he, he uh, the club recruit um, Glenn Hawker and Merv Nagel and um, uh, Big Roger Merritt. So they're pretty, just three pretty handy players to uh, to blood into the club. And uh, and of course Neil and I come that same year in '78. So uh, it, you know, with Billy and um, um, Barry had done a lot of groundwork with the, these players and in a couple of years certainly the, the, I knew Barry more so than Bill I never played under Billy but um, um, Barry had done a pretty good job in uh, educating the go- uh, us guys gave us good opportunity and he he, uh, he believed in the young fellas give us a good run so, and then Kevin come in after Barry and and of course he introduced the hardness and having played premierships himself and uh and uh, he was pretty keen to get the, get the ball rolling on the right uh, on the right note, but um, he. Uh yeah, I think it was pretty tough for him his early stages. I think he lost the first five games. I, I recall there there's one stage in his his first year that he was thinking about putting the boots on. <laughs> the club have quickly run down and said, "Hey, listen, Kev, you keep your boots at home. <laughs> you, you, we don't want you out there. You're here to coach. You're here to coach these young blokes." And uh, 
but Kev got that frustrated with us, you know, uh, you know, being a young, you know, uh, coach trying to feel his way through, and uh, and we were pretty, you know, who's this bloke coming in? We'll, we'll sort him out, sort of thing, and uh, and I think that probably was the reason why we we did sl- start a bit sluggishly in that first season of Kevin's, but uh, but he persevered and uh, he. Uh, you know the players that uh, towed the line. He he certainly encouraged and you know and and supported you to, to becoming better. And unfortunately, those that didn't and still pulled against the way he wanted to go actually didn't. Uh, he didn't have much time for. So you know she's pretty blunt. You knew where where you stood with Kevin, and uh, and uh, he kept you pretty honest. And uh, by gee, uh, he, he certainly left the lifted the um, the training standards to another level the, the expectations he mm. he had of us on the track he really pushed us and and if a few of us got a bit slack she'd be a, over to the fence another 400 or be over in a corner there in the mud doing one-on-one contesting and, and stuff like that so uh, yeah which was which was good and uh, yeah the message eventually got there you know as, a, as we got into the years and and uh, we matured as a team and uh, we used to crash and bash and run into and knock one another around a bit. But Kevin loved that. But he he invented uh, invented little rules within the team, you know, uh, to tr- to uh, try and open it up a bit, particularly in the forward line, and uh, keep keep us from back crashing into one another and fighting for the ball and to get a kick. Because only one pill out there. <laughs> we all yes. want it. Yeah. So uh, and you know when you got Vandar and and uh, Timmy Watson resting up there and you had know, young Mark Harvey you had a Paul Salmon later on and uh, you know there's just a, there's so many players that we used to rotate or go through there and uh, she's pretty hard to get a kick Big Roger was another yeah. one you know and uh, as he grew into his role at now in centre half forward and at, uh, yeah it was a great time great memories and uh, you got to do it hard you know and it made the wins feel feel a lot better you know what I mean well well, the fact that you were going okay in the 80s probably made that a little easier to bear because yeah. there was that wonderful era with all those grand finals and, and the loss in 83. But then the premiership in 84, that's one thing I want to ask you about. Do you remember much about what Kevin said to you at three-quarter time of that grand final? Because you were in trouble at three-quarter time in the 84 grand final. Yeah, but, uh, yeah I probably felt like you did, but uh, it was funny. You know, I, I spoke spoke to a lot of my mates and uh, and they sort of felt that we were uh, we were still in the game, mm. even though we we're twenty odd points down. I, on the other hand, from uh, for, from memory, felt uh, she's going to be a bit of an uphill battle to win it from here. You know, um, having been through that '83, but we, we were fairly determined. Um, Kevin was very positive and said, "We're you know we're right in this. We just got to get that first one out of the centre, and then the next." And that's all he spoke about. Was he Simon? You've got to get the, get your hands to this. You know, get it down to Daisy and uh, Williams and Tim and just get the ball going forward. I don't care how you do it, we're going. We're not... Uh, he, uh, when you look back in 83, uh, you know... I, I can still uh, see and Kev being so devastated, you know, in the, at the Hilton after the game. He says, well, catch any of you blokes smiling in this bloody room. You're not worthy of a, a Guernsey or having an opportunity to come back here. You're not, you haven't got your heart in it and all this sort of thing. And, uh, and I've gone, wow, well, he's... 
come on, Kev, your game's over, mate. Have a beer, relax, sort of thing. But uh, deep down, it really was a disappointing uh, way to finish. You know, we worked so hard. Uh, we had to play quite a few finals. I think we even went from the elimination that previous year all the mm. way through to, uh, to to challenge Hawthorne in that 83, but we just run out of, out of gas a bit. But um, So that feeling you're talking about, Terry, did you draw on that at three-quarter time when you're, you're down in well, a grand final? 12 months later, that mm. thing is still sticking in your guts from 12 yeah, months was, previously. Yeah, really. I think uh, not, not uh, you know, I don't know whether you, what the word is for it, but uh, I think deep down, uh, you know, look, we can't let this go. You, you get one opportunity. And I think Kevin, uh, you know, we, he, he's pushed all that into us uh, before, you know, in the build-up to the the 84, you know, uh, to, you know um, not, not so much going too much into the past, but... Uh, it was all about, and I remember three-quarter time, he was very positive. You know, it's all about the now. This is how we're going to beat them. They've got a week, you know, we, we think we can get on top in the middle, get the ball going forward. Uh, forward the forwards weren't sort of working as well as he, he'd liked, and he didn't, and like he always does. Well, it's time to make changes. Leon we'll Baker get, goes forward. Yeah, get there. Leon goes forward. Billy goes forward. Yeah. Weston goes forward. You know, Denneher goes back. Someone else, I, I don't, not too sure who else had, had, had moved, and um, but it worked out well, and everything just fell into place. And you know, thanks to uh, you know Simon, Daisy, Tim, Merv on the wing and uh, Peter Bradbury later on just give us that extra bit of run obviously Baker and, and Duckworth had a, a big role to play there and um, you know oh, well you know everyone really uh, you know Walshy and uh, you know down back and uh, Nobby Clark you know to be able to, it played well on Lee Matthews you know to free Ducky up he sort of stuck to his task down there so when you look around the whole ground everyone sort of played their part but uh, but we had a couple that really stood out and, and got us over the line that day. And 12 months later, after that, it was a completely different emotion. You, you'd still have the Premiership Cup in your hand at the end of the day, but it was a convincing victory. In a game like that, do you actually have time to take it in where you know you're going to win so far from the final, Siren? Did you look around the place and just remember the moment a bit? Oh, it's a bit hard to do that, mate. It's still a grand final, yeah. and uh, I'm not too sure. I think the guys uh, that were getting a lot of the footy and were busy were really enjoying their day. I had a fairly uh, tough task of uh, trying to keep Dermy under control that particular day and went, uh, whilst I started forward, I uh, uh, was uh, told to go back and... uh, and picked Dermy up and I spent the rest of the day on him and we had a good old battle there. Well, there was that little altercation at the start of that game yeah, in 85, well, wasn't there? Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's footy. He's pushing pushing us around a bit down there and, and I thought, well, I've had enough of this and I give him a clip. Yeah, jobbed him and uh, and I've gone, uh-oh. I don't think I'll hit him hard enough here. He's still standing. Yeah. I think I might be in a bit of trouble here. There probably wouldn't be too many regrets from back-to-back premierships, but the biggest regret you had, I would think, is the fact that Neil wasn't out there with you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He, uh, he, had, he had such a, a great start to his career. But, um, yeah, some players get dealt a, you know, a, a bad blow or a bad deal, whatever you want to call it, and they're a bit unlucky. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you wouldn't have got anyone more 
professional to the Neil, you know, that went about his game and uh, the way he thought about it and uh, just loved getting out there. But, uh, yeah, that was a bit unfortunate, but uh, he had to watch it in the stands. But uh, I'm sure he would have been willing his boy, his teammates on and um, would have enjoyed seeing us, um, you know, bring home the, the, the trophy, the silverware. We'll talk more about Neil and what he's going through, this very public battle that he's going through with the big freeze coming up in uh, just over a week now. And we'll talk about that on the other side of the break and also the rest of your time at Essendon with Terry Danaher, my special guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan. What a delight it is to have Terry Danaher as my special guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. TD, we spoke about 84-85 great moments. There was one other grand final and it turned out to be a very memorable grand final for all sorts of reasons, but probably one that you won't remember with a lot of fondness for a lot of reasons. 1990 against the old rival, the Magpies. Yeah, well, the disappointing thing was, Pete, that we finished up my minor premiers. We finished on top that year. and um, Did the draw that Collingwood had with West Coast, do you reckon that impacted on your premiership chances, the fact that you were put back a week because there was no extra time in those days? No, I think it did, did impact on us a, a bit. We had players that were out at that time or players that needed a bit of extra training. I think Tim Watson was one guy there, I think, that um, had had some injury issues at the time. It was talked about that he needed some match practice. You know, it, it, it did upset the whole, you know, the, 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 the training routine. And um, in that, uh, in the end, Kevin um, said, but we can't just keep training and bashing ourselves around. We've got to get another team that might put their hand up to, to give us a bit of a game. And uh, so uh, we got in touch with, uh, in the end, the Fitzroy Footy Club put their hand up to uh, to give us a bit of a run, send some players down. And they virtually sent down a second side. We started that game off and I reckon it only lasted about a quarter and Kev said, this is no good. We finished up just, I think from memory, just going back into a training drill and uh, did a bit of hard training and that and, uh, to compensate for a, you know to get something near a bit of you know, match practice and of course when we did face Collingwood in, in, in that next final that um, they were in pretty good touch and yeah, we, they had a couple of boys carrying a few sore spots like yeah, the all clubs do that time of the year and uh, but they were good enough to get over us and you know, we had a pretty soft uh, prelim final against West Coast and um, it was a pretty soft run really all the way through and even into the grand final. Did quarter time change everything, TD? Did it change the, uh, the way the game well, was flowing? It definitely changed, uh, changed the, the course of the match, you know, really. It, uh, when you're standing down at, uh, on the last line of defence and, and you, you're watching the game up the field, it's just how many times we'll caught second to the ball and uh, like you don't have to be blind Freddy. You know the umpires are going to be on edge, they're going to be wanting to contr- get back gain control of the game, they're going to be very edgy and they're going to be blowing wanting to blow the whistle and we were just caught too many times second to the footy and uh, we'll penalise for it a couple of 15 metre penalties at the time which uh, give Barwick goals and a, uh, and a couple of others and uh, and they just got away from us on the scoreboard and uh, and we just had plays that sort of I think uh, um, you just struggle with the 
with the, 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 the way the game was was flowing. So we just didn't have enough. We couldn't get back get back into the game. Do you prefer not to talk about what happened at quarter time? Nah, don't worry me one bit. You know, I'm um, quite happy with uh, in my stance on the whole on the whole thing. You know, it's just uh, you know, we are, Gavin. So I got a job to do. You know, try and nullify him as best I could, and I <laughs> I was giving him everything. You know, he's frustrating him and stomping on him and grabbing his guns even he's about to lead or throwing an arm across and, mm. and that sort of thing just to do anything to upset him and and I think I did that I was doing a pretty good job I reckon he was very ready to clock me anyway <laughs> he's just about had enough of me and of course the siren went at quarter time and and uh, he got down to the huddle there before I I had and uh, and uh, Karen Spawn was sort of getting back and out of a confrontation there and didn't know that Gav was coming in and he got clocked and and then I just uh, he turned and Gav knew I was coming in so I clocked him and but he was supposed to get up he wasn't supposed to mm. <laughs> stay down there were you concerned when he oh, stayed down well mate you're concerned about a lot of things you know and uh, you know uh, there's a lot of things going on around there was still spot fires and you know and a bound well, Gubby was fire. throwing punches 50 metres away yeah well there was that uh, over the other side of the ground and uh, but you know that, that was the way the game was played and in, uh, in those days it's uh, you're playing for big uh, you know, uh, stakes. I only want to ask you one more question about that because I want to concentrate on the great things you did in your career rather than mm. that incident that a lot of people talk about. But there is that famous shot of when Gavin Brown comes back onto the ground and he runs towards you. Mm. What were you thinking at that moment? I said, just uh, keep your eye on the ball, Gav. You know, like he was, he come on and uh, jumped up and down and uh, he threw his arms around like uh, those smelling salts must have worked. <laughs> yeah, he was up and about. But, um, but, oh, no, he was probably keen to, you know, like looking back, it would have been disappointing really, you know, for, for a great player like Gavin, you know, in view of his supporters who come to watch him play, you know, not to to have missed three quarters of the bloody, most nearly three quarters of the, of the game, you know. Uh, when you look back, that's uh, that's probably a bit disappointing, but that's um, that's the way, you know, that's the way it goes. But he, uh, I let him kick a goal there in the end and sweeten it, and uh, we shook hands, and and then uh, shortly after that we were. Uh, uh, playing arm in arm, trying to take on the Irish in the yeah. in the, when the Irish come out to Australia. Now that's enough of 1990 because I want to get to the last game you actually played. You played in the Premiership side, didn't you? Yeah, that was a great year. It was uh, that was an interesting uh, lead up too. Uh, Dennis Pagan was our coach and. Um, at the time, and Dennis had some big ambitions. I think I think he wanted to, he could he uh, wanted to make a career out of coaching. The seniors weren't going to make the finals that um, year '92, and um, that, which meant that we could get a couple of players back. I remember in my last game there uh, against uh, Geelong in the home and away, I, I didn't even want to play. I said to Kevin, "Look, I'm not I'm not playing well enough in the seconds, you know, to deserve a game." And I said. Play someone else, play a young bloke or something like that. But uh, the club were hell bent on wanting to see Simon and I out in the seniors. But I played that particular game. We played the last game against Geelong out at Waverley, and uh, 
and started just deadly and, and it was going out, you know, play, started up forward and, and then in the second half uh, was played loose man in defence and it was a, oh, about a, my second contest, I think it was, I, was, uh, I had the ball come up and uh, she just hovered up there and I was backing into it and big Billy Brownless has come in and, and hit me in the shoulder blades and uh, cracked one of the, the bones in me shoulder blade but um, I remember Dennis coming up to me on the Monday and said um, oh, look mate we'd love to have you come on board if you if we can keep winning to, uh, I'd love to have, have you in the background there to play and uh, and they kept winning each week and I just never trained I trained on my own and did a little bit of stuff and the wing was getting better it coming good and of course on the, the Thursday night of the grand final they made it um, we had selection and uh, and um, he selected me. I, I'll never forget, I got called into the office. Kev was there, obviously, but overseeing everything. He's called me into the office and uh, he got stuck into me. He's, you know, he thought I was denying some young bloke or getting a opportunity of running out there that one day in September and uh, give him the chance to run out. You're finished. You've had your, had your uh, run in the sun. And I said, well, Kev, you'll have to talk to Dennis. You know, he's picked me in the side, you know, and um, you blokes work it out. Give me a call later on if you if you, you don't want me in there. And um, But anyhow, I didn't get that call and played along with Bluey Ezard. There were a few other handy names uh, in that team, right, weren't there? There was too. Um, the young kids coming through, you know, James Hurd and yeah. Rick Olerenshaw, David Kelthorpe, Masidi, I think big Steve Alessio. Yeah. You know, those boys that I played with, which I'm so wrapped, I'm glad I did play. Yeah. You know, just to have a run around with those boys and, and to see them go on next year and win in 93 and to have Chris, my brother, play in that game and... Mm. Uh, it was. Uh, I, I felt uh, felt uh, rap for him. We'll take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the brothers um, and uh, also just that that great achievement when the four of you was able to play together. And and of course we mentioned Neil, and we'll touch on him and what the family is going through. When we come back for our final segment with Terry Danaher on the other side of the break. This is your sporting life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan. Our final segment with Terry Danaher on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. TD, I wish we had two hours for this show and not one because there's so many things that I've left out. But the one thing I do want to mention is no doubt one of the, the great high points of your footballing career, and that was when the four brothers played together. You did it in a home and away game. You did it in a state game as well. That must have been just a remarkable achievement for the family. Yeah, I think uh, uh, mum and dad were pretty wrapped, I think, to see yeah. finally get there. And Neil, you know, was able to get his knees going again and um, get himself up for it. And Chris had been battling and scratching around there and earned his spot. And uh, uh, it was a wonderful day down there at um, St Kilda and uh, down at Moorabbin. But, uh, but it was, uh, you get to get, had to get out there and get the job done. It was another game of footy. And, uh, and you did. You didn't think too much about it. The, uh, the actual game itself, but uh, I do recall, uh, you know, I think Anthony had a pretty solid game. I think Neil played pretty well that day, and Chris has got a bit of the footy, but more importantly, the, you know, the, we had a good win. Finally, to your brother and his very public battle that is going on at the moment. We're only a few days away from the, the big freeze game at the G, which he has been the driving force behind. 
you would have been very proud of what he did on the football field, but you must be so proud of what he's been able to do in recent years with this dreadful disease that he has. Well, what it has done, Pete, is really uh, educated us about what the uh, you know what the disease does to you, and it's a it's a debilitating sort of a thing that uh, you can, your mind can be so uh, with it, whereas everything else around you collapses and uh, closes down. So, but Neil's been one of the fortunate ones, like uh, some that uh, he, he's got the slower one and uh, was, uh, has been able to hang in for a while. He's had it probably what four, five years now, going on to his fifth, and um, and of course his legs are strong, but it's uh, through his you know his top half of his body that uh, is starting to take a toll on him. But uh, he's, whilst he, uh, I guess he can still speak and um, and and get around, um, he'll keep uh, pursuing the cause and, uh, and and trying to find a cure. So that it might. May not help him, but it might help uh, you know uh, some someone you know the people that have got it in the future. Football has a lot of very important occasions now, but this has developed into one of them, the Queen's Birthday match, and it really is something that you talked about the hairs on the back of your neck standing up before. Mm. It's one of those occasions that does that to you. There's a bit of fun with everybody going down the slide, but then the underlying reason behind it is something that has come into the consciousness of everybody. Yeah. I think Neil's uh, 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 just winding the clock back a bit with his uh, time at Melbourne, uh, the Melbourne Football Club, and uh, the the former president, uh, uh, Don McClarty, and... um, uh, Bill Guest, and, um, and then you get down to some of the players, and Nita and um, Robbo, and uh, and uh, all the other boys. They uh, they've got right behind him, and really uh, stuck fat with him on all of this. You know the Denner Drive and the um, the slide. They've uh, been right by his side, so I think that uh, that's really made him feel good about it. The, you know, the support he's had, and of course from the Essendon Football Club. Uh, it's made made it a little bit easier, yeah, with the support he's had and from his you know his family and and that sort of thing. So uh, we're look, we're all there for him, you know. He's uh, fighting the battle, and hmm. we're just there uh, to play a, a, a little small part of it. But if you get an army together, it, uh, you, you, we all have a bit of a, an influence on what's going on. So it's, you know, he's keeping the awareness out there. We've raised um, some serious money now that we can actually uh, you know, get some experimentation done and, and get some work done at trying to uh, you know to find a cure for it. To Neil, we just say good luck with the battle because it has been such a tough battle. And to you, we say thank you. I've got the exact number in front of me for the Danaher family, 752 games, 313 of yours, 233 for Anthony, 124 for Chris, 82 for Neil. You're truly one of the more remarkable families the game has ever seen and it is uh, a great joy that you've been able to spend some time with us and, and share some of those memories, TD. Well, good good to on see you, Pete. Thanks very much, mate, for having us 
along. Terry Danaher, my special guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. And we will have another edition of the program with another great of Australian sport. Same time next week right here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.